Good evening, Family Church Haven't. Welcome to Sunday Night Local. I hope that you've had a brilliant day, that you're doing well, and that you're looking forward to the weeks and months ahead of everything that is positive that's out there in our future, and uh, including me booking in a haircut, which is good news all round for everybody. Uh, but just as people jump online tonight and uh, just waiting for uh, people to gather together, let me just talk a little bit about what's happening and what's coming up over this Easter week. Of course, next week is Easter Sunday, a great time of celebration, and uh, we've got a number of things happening over this Easter week. Tomorrow night, we've got our prayer gathering that's taking place at the Empower Centre Haven't, and that's at half seven to half eight, and you need to pre-register for that. So please go to uh, the weekly email or family.church and register via the events. And that's tomorrow evening at the Empower Centre Haven't, a great time to gather together and pray together. But also wanted to let you know about uh, the daily emails that we're doing, sorry, daily videos that are being broadcast on YouTube and on Facebook. It's going to be a five-minute teaching um, shared that really correlates with the last week of Jesus' life and ministry here on the earth. And so Monday to Saturday, there's going to be a different family church congregational pastor sharing on Monday to Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on uh, about something from that last week of Jesus' ministry and how it applies to us today. So those are going to be available on YouTube each and every single morning. And then also, don't forget that on Friday, some of you may have seen this in a weekly email, this Good Friday, we're doing something a little bit different. We're not um, doing a service or um, in the Empower Center haven't or doing an online service like we did last year. What we wanted to do with the changing of the rules so that you can meet with six people or two households, we want to encourage you, whether that's in a group of six or a group of two, or two households, whether it's in person or whether it's still you want to do it over FaceTime, whatever it is, whether it's a whole day or just 10 minutes, we want you to gather together and to break bread and to pray on that Good Friday, to pray for one another, to pray prayers of thanksgiving for what Jesus did. Just take some time out in that day to break bread and to pray, whatever that looks like. Um, whatever, whether that's, as I said, six people or two households or two people, whatever it looks like, gather together and let's break bread and pray. So I want to dive straight into um, all that I want to communicate tonight because there's a lot that I want to share with you uh, this evening. Really excited about what God has put on my heart to share as we continue in this series and the teaching of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Remember, this teaching is entitled The Believer's toolbox because God has given us spiritual tools for us to use for the benefit of his church and the wider community. And so tonight uh, there's a lot of notes that I've got a lot to get through. Um, if you're a note taker you're going to enjoy uh, this evening and just let the Holy Spirit minister to you and hopefully there'll be revelation that comes into your life as we journey through these things. But firstly let me just give a very quick recap of what we've looked at in the week so far. Week one we looked at the fact that these are grace gifts. The spiritual gifts talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth about are grace gifts. In other words, they are gifts that we cannot earn or they're not rewards, they're not spiritual achievements. They are gifts given to us by God through the person of the Holy Spirit. Week two, we asked the question, are these spiritual gifts still available and relevant today? And we answered an emphatic, yes, you can go and watch that week two. And then last week, Mark Ward did a brilliant job of beginning to open up these actual gifts and looking at the first group, the first group of three groups that we're looking at over three weeks. 
because the spiritual gifts are often grouped into these three groups, which are uh, the revelation gifts that Mark spoke of last week so very well, uh, the power gifts that are going to come next week, and there's going to be some great teaching on that, and then the utterance gifts, which I'm going to share about this evening. So all those weeks are available for you to catch up. As always, you can go to our YouTube channel, FC Space Live, and there's an, a haven't playlist uh, that you can catch up on those weeks. But let's focus tonight on the utterance gifts. So they are utterance gifts because they are spoken, and they are also known as gifts of inspiration because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. They don't come from the mind of man. They come divinely by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So tonight, what I want to really do is hopefully clear up some confusion, do away with some wrong teaching so that we can get rid of any fear or insecurity around using these gifts. And these gifts can be used to the full and can be enjoyed for the benefit of God and others. So the utterance gifts are these three gifts. They are the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and we're going to explain what we mean by that tonight, and the interpretation of tongues. Now, these gifts, as we'll see throughout tonight, their purpose is threefold, and we're going to keep mentioning this this evening, that these gifts, their purpose are to edify, which means to build up, they're to exhort, which means to encourage, and they are to bring comfort. That is their purpose. So let's begin tonight with the gift of prophecy. Now, prophecy is an incredibly important gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to chapter 14, prophecy is mentioned 22 times. It's, it's the most mentioned gift. It's an important gift. And in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3, it underlines what I just said a moment ago about prophecy. It says this in the Amplified, for one who prophesies speaks to people for edification, to promote their spiritual growth, and speaks words of encouragement to uphold and advise them concerning the matters of God, and speaks words of consolation to, compa to compassionately comfort them. So this gift is given so that we can have a message from God to people that in a specific moment will build, encourage, and comfort. Really important that we bear those three things in mind, to build, encourage, and to comfort. So what is prophecy? That's a good question as we're looking at prophecy. What is prophecy? And uh, to begin with, I want to flip that question on its head and ask the question, what isn't prophecy? Remember, we did this with faith way back in the summer of 2020. We looked at what something isn't, because sometimes when you look at what something isn't, it helps you to see what it actually is. So what isn't prophecy? Prophecy, as a spiritual gift spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is not really about foretelling the future. Now, to help us understand that, I want to tonight explain the difference between the office of a ministry gift of a prophet, as spoken about in Ephesians chapter 4, and the spiritual gift of prophecy, as spoken about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 to 12, it lists the offices or what's also known as the fivefold ministry gifts that Jesus has given to the church. Let's read verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, Now these are the gifts that Christ himself gave to the church. And it lists them. It says the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastors and teachers. And verse 12 tells us that the gift of those people, the role of those people 
is to equip the saints for works of ministry. That's their role. So the prophet, in this sense of Ephesians chapter 4, is a person or the office or role of a prophet, rather than the spiritual utterance gift spoken about in 1 Corinthians 12, which is prophecy. Hopefully you can begin to see the difference. Now this is important because the prophet of Ephesians chapter 4 prophesies the future. Whereas the spiritual gift of prophecy enables us in that moment to speak a message that is focused on those three things, edification, encouragement and comfort, rather than specifically declare what's going to happen in the future. So prophecy as a spiritual gift, not Ephesians chapter 4, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12, prophecy as a spiritual gift is not really about foretelling the future. Here's something else that's really important for us to bear in mind, that the gift of prophecy is not a replacement of scripture. If you're taking notes, write that down. Prophecy is not a replacement of scripture. Prophecy is a wonderful thing, but it never supersedes or takes the place of scripture. We don't live by prophecies. The Bible doesn't say we live by prophecies. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, the words of Jesus, that we live by the word of God. But according to 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, what does it do? It teaches us, it rebukes us, it corrects us, and it trains us for righteousness. So prophecy never should be placed above the word of God. Now, again, in the Old Testament, they were the role of a prophet, the office of a prophet, and they were speaking the word of God as it came to them, and people were writing down, it was recorded as scripture. And that's why in the Old Testament, you hear this phrase, thus says the Lord, because they were prophesying the word of God in that moment. Today, as New Covenant believers, as we're given this gift by the Holy Spirit of prophecy that edifies and comforts and builds up people, as we're given that gift, when we say something to somebody, we shouldn't say, thus says the Lord, this is what God is saying. We should tell them what we believe God is saying, and then we should say, go test it, go weigh it up, go speak to your pastor, go look it up in the Word and see whether it lines up with what God is saying to you. Our prophecies should be tested. That's what the word of God says. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 20 to 21. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. 1 John 4 verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit. So this is in line with what Mark was talking about last week about the spiritual gift of discernment. But we test the spirits. Test the spirits, listen, to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So there are false prophets. But just because something is abused, just because something isn't used correctly, doesn't mean that it should stop us from earnestly desiring the gift of prophecy to use it effectively and to use it correctly in the way God would have us use it. So that's a brief look at what prophecy isn't. Let's briefly look at what prophecy is. Prophecy is the ability in that moment to take what the Holy Spirit is speaking into your life and to speak it to others in a way that does those three things that we've looked at. So the Holy Spirit gives you a message for someone and you share it with them. Now, don't forget it will always edify, encourage or comfort. So what does it look like? For us to practically use this gift. I want to um, share some practical 
tools for you as we look at using this spiritual gift of prophecy. Otherwise, it just remains theory. And God wants his church to be prophesied, not just on a Sunday morning in services, but as a lifestyle thing that we would use the spiritual gift of prophecy. So here's something to clear up some confusion. Number one, if you're taking notes, as I said, you're going to love tonight if you're a note taker. Number one, desire this gift. Paul tells us to earnestly desire these gifts, to pray to God and ask for this gift. Again, remember the motivation. It's so that um, these things are used in love. It's not so that you're puffed up and say, look at me, I'm the prophet. Don't go getting business cards saying I'm the prophet, this and that, uh, because I can have the spiritual gift of prophecy. No, it's so that we have the privilege of God using us to edify, to encourage and to comfort. Not so that you look good, but earnestly desire this gift. Number two, remember that this gift is supernatural. Okay, so that these aren't just natural encouraging words. You look good today. Um, you look happy to, they're not just encouraging words from a natural mind. They are supernatural spiritual words of prophecy inspired by the Holy Spirit. Number three, when you believe that the Holy Spirit is giving you a word of prophecy for someone, do that three point check. Does it do one of those three things or all of them? Does it edify? Does it exhort? And or does it comfort? Otherwise, it's not really the spiritual gift of prophecy. Number four, if in doubt, wait. Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, to use the gift of prophecy in proportion with our faith. Now, here's what you'll find as you journey through this, that not all prophetic words or dreams or impressions upon your life are to be shared with others. Sometimes they're never to be shared. Sometimes they're not to be shared immediately. I found that God has sometimes given me words or impressions or dream. And other people have also come to me and said, I've had this dream or I just believe God's saying this. And sometimes that's to be parked for a moment and to be prayed about. Sometimes God will give you a prophetic dream or vision or word that's actually for intercession. It's for us to pray about, to pray protection over a person, over a marriage, over a ministry, over whatever it might be. Other times it's to share these things. Again, remember the motivation for this gift is love and for God to use you. It's not so that you look great, but you say, I've got this prophetic word. No, no, no. Think about how God wants you to use it. Number five, an important one. Don't turn weird. Please don't turn weird. The Holy Spirit works through your personality and who you are. So don't suddenly become somebody different, okay? For some people, he'll give you pictures. For other people, he'll give you just specific words. For other people, he'll just ask you to naturally just share something, okay? So it doesn't mean that you turn into a weirdo just because you're in that mode of prophesying, okay? Don't be in a situation where people turn around and say, why are you being like that? Or why are you being a bit weird? Why don't you just be yourself? Humility is a key in using this gift. So when you share a word with somebody, say to them, look, I, I believe God is saying this. Don't say, thus says the Lord. I, I believe God is saying this. And, and I encourage you, go, go test it according to scripture. Go ask somebody that you're accountable to. Pray about this that I'm sharing with you. Don't make it about you. Number six, don't make it dramatic. Just like, don't be weird, don't make it dramatic. Now the words that you share are supernatural and powerful but that doesn't mean that you have to be in a service with a band playing it, it may be just over a quick phone call it may be while you're just walking it may be over a starbucks coffee it may be that you just text somebody some words of prophecy 
The, the words are powerful and supernatural, but the setting and circumstance may be very simple. Number seven, don't get hung up if you don't get it right exactly or first time or or you share something and it doesn't land with somebody. Sometimes I, I share a word of prophecy with somebody and I just believe God is, is asking me to share it with somebody and they'll look at me and and I say, that's exactly speaking to, into my situation. That's what I prayed about this morning. That's what God was saying. And he uses me to encourage and to edify somebody in that moment. And we have a privilege of God using us in that way. Other times, I'll be honest, I've shared a word and, and somebody's looked at me and went, doesn't mean anything to me. Now, it may be that it's a word being shared now for a future time. Or it may be that I got it wrong because I'm infallible just like you are. So let's not get too hung up on this, you know, just because not, you know, every time you lay your hands on a sick person doesn't mean they're instantly healed. The word of God is true that when we lay our hands on the sick, they will recover. So it should never stop us just because something hasn't happened one time from believing God for it the next time. So when we give a word of prophecy, that's why we say test this word. We may not get it right every time, but we have the privilege of God using us. We're to exercise these gifts. Number eight. God will often give you a starting word or a picture and then you have to rely on the Holy Spirit. I remember the last day that Pastor Andy and I were in Australia last year, we were in Brisbane and just before we were coming home, we were going to this church and we thought that Pastor Andy was going to share a message and then we were going to have ministry time and, and then, you know, would that be it for the evening? Um, but as we were going there, the pastor said, here's what's going to happen tonight. Um, I've told the church, you have a word for every single one of them. You have a specific word for every single one of them. And Pastor Andy was like, oh, oh, did you now? Uh, okay, great. Um, so we turned up and again, it's not about humans. It's about the Holy Spirit working through us. And so we just started to minister. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit flowed. And there was a specific word for every single person in that place. And I, I shared a few words and and again, in that moment, you don't know anything about the people. This is the very first time you've met them. And what so often you find is that the, the Holy Spirit will give you a word or a picture. And he's waiting for you to activate in faith that word. And then he'll give you the rest. So don't be scared when God says to you, I want you to share this word with somebody, but you've only got a couple of words. If, if all that remains is those two words, share it with them. But often you'll find that as you open up your mouth, the Holy Spirit will give you the words but follow in your own way. So I hope that helps some practical things on prophecy. Now I want to move on tonight to look at the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And I want to clear something up about tongues tonight. Now firstly, that word in itself can be kind of strange, can't it, to talk about tongues. Sometimes when I've walked new believers through different things and I've explained them uh, about the Holy Spirit and tongues, they kind of look at you a bit weird, you know, you say, uh, you're going to speak with a new tongue. They suddenly, well, what do you mean God's going to give me a new tongue? Suddenly you're going to have two tongues sticking out of your mouth. The language can be a bit strange. So often you may hear it referred to um, as a spiritual language or a heavenly language. So when you hear it referred to as that, that's just somebody um, using language that's applicable to people to reveal a spiritual truth according to the word of God. So because of some confusion... Because of some ignorance, tongues can sometimes be controversial. Tongues can sometimes be divisive according to different denominations. 
And it can be something, if not taught correctly or understood correctly, that can produce fear or guilt or the feeling of not being good enough. And that's such a shame when this is a powerful gift that God has given to the body of believers. So let me clear something up tonight. And this is massively important. Otherwise, we'll always live in what I've just spoken about, division, confusion, and so on and so on. I want to separate out tonight and explain in the time that we've got left the difference between between tongues as a heavenly prayer language, and that's not really correct terminology, but um, a lot of people use it that way, so, so I want to use it tonight to explain something. The difference between tongues as a heavenly prayer language and then the spiritual gift of tongues as spoken about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to see the difference between the two. So, firstly, our heavenly prayer language. When a believer is baptised in the Holy Spirit, and Tom doesn't allow us to dig deep into that tonight, um, but Pastor Andy's been preaching some great messages on the Holy Spirit, but you can go back and look on our Sunday morning broadcast. When a believer receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, oftentimes they'll have the power and the ability to speak in tongues. And they can do that whenever they want. It's a new powerful way of a person communicating with God. And it's not something that comes from the mind. Okay, this is from the spirit. It bypasses the mind, the intellect. They've actually done scientific studies to show that when people pray from the spirit, they're not actually engaging their mind. And so you won't understand the words that you're saying. You're speaking mysteries, a heavenly language to God. Now, I'm going to explain more on this and we're going to look at some verses that underline this. But let me just clarify for a moment, make this point. This is us praying to God and communicating to God. As we'll see in a moment, the spiritual gift mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is God speaking to us and through us to other people. And we're going to explain that in just a moment, an important difference. Now, let's just stick with prayers, uh, sorry, with tongues as a prayer language just for a moment. Us praying to God. Here's some important things about that that the Bible says. It's often an initial sign of a baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, Paul prays for people to be baptised in the Holy Spirit and they begin to pray in new tongues and speak in new um, tongues. Many times when you pray in, in churches for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, people will speak in tongues. But let me just say here, speaking in tongues is not the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, okay? It's often an initial evidence, but I've known people who have been prayed for and I've prayed for people who have instantly prayed in tongues. Other people that they've not prayed in tongues until later that evening or a month later as they've been praying uh, for the ability to pray in tongues. Other people I've known have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see it in their life and the fruit of their life. You see it in the way that they use spiritual gifts and yet they don't speak in tongues. That doesn't make them any less of a Christian. That doesn't mean they're not saved. I know this is obvious, but we need to clarify some of this stuff sometimes. It doesn't mean they're a second-rate Christian. It's so important that we share this because otherwise there's a lot of guilt that can be at attached to this subject through ignorance. However, can we all pray in tongues? Yes, I believe firmly that we can and I believe there's many scriptures that backs that up. Now there is some confusion over 1 Corinthians chapter 14 but the good news is we're going to head there in a moment and clear that up. Just hold your horses for a moment. We'll get there in a minute. So often an initial sign of a baptism of the Holy Spirit is praying in tongues and speaking in tongues. When you pray in tongues, 
you are communicating to God in a language you won't understand. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2. Let's just read that. It says, when someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says because he is speaking to people. Sorry, because he's not speaking to people, but to God. So this is us to God. He is speaking intimate mysteries in the spirit. So he's not speaking to people, but to God. He's speaking intimate mysteries in the spirit. What a privilege that we get to speak intimate mysteries, spiritual mysteries to God. Now, it's important that we understand the difference between these two. Other quick things about your heavenly prayer language. Praying in tongues edifies you and builds you up. It will do something in your spirit. Jude chapter, uh, sorry, Jude verse 20. For those taking notes, Jude verse 20. But you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. So praying in tongues builds your faith. Why? Because you can only pray in tongues when you use faith. It can't come from a natural mind. It has to be accessed by faith. Tongues enables the Holy Spirit to pray on your behalf when you've run out of natural words for a situation. It's a wonderful gift from God. So when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, sometimes you, you can pray in tongues, you can sing in tongues and so on and so on and so on. Now, that's us communicating to God. Let's move on to look at specifically this gift that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gift of tongues. Remembering that these gifts are the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So remember what we said a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit is always present. He's always with the believers, in the believer. But there are times when he manifests his presence through these spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the spiritual illumination and the enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common good. So as we've said in this series, you know, these spiritual gifts are for the benefit of others, for the benefit of everyone, not just for the benefit of you. So the gift of tongues is spoken about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit gives you a word for other people. Okay, so it's not you speaking to God, it's God speaking through you to others. Hopefully you're seeing the difference in this. Now, the gift of tongues in this context is the Holy Spirit giving you a message that will again do to others these three things, edify, encourage, and comfort other people. That's why when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it's so important for us to realize that actually Paul is writing that in the context of congregational worship. Okay, he's talking about tongues in the context of a church and when a connect group might meet or when we may meet on a Sunday morning or when something may happen as a gathering. And that's why Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 27 to 28. Some misunderstood verses. It says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Now again, the context of those verses is the utterance gift. When the Holy Spirit gives you a message through someone to other people. 
Now that's important. It's so important we get this. Otherwise, um, somebody will be uh, praying in tongues and somebody else will say, well, well, you can't do that because the Bible says that you can't use tongues because they have to be interpreted. No, no, no. This is us praying to God, not the spiritual gift mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's so important we get this. Otherwise, somebody will be singing in tongues and somebody will say, you can't do that because, you know, it's wrong because Paul says it must be interpreted. No, no, no. Let's separate out the two so we know the difference. There's a difference between tongues as a prayer language, us to God, and then the unique gift of that moment when the Holy Spirit gives a message through someone to the people to edify, to build up, to encourage and exhort. So Paul says, in that context, if there's no one to interpret it, then don't share what you're going to share because people won't understand what God is trying to say to his people. So let's quickly move on to the interpretation of tongues. I know there's a lot that I'm throwing at you. Hopefully you're making good notes. If not, go back and listen to some of this. I really want to get this over to you well and hopefully it's coming across okay. The interpretation of tongues, okay? So the interpretation of tongues is not a translation. It's not word for word translation, like one language into another language. It's an interpretation. So sometimes the message in tongues from God may be long and the interpretation is short. Other times the um, you know, message might be short, but the interpretation is many sentences long. It, it can differ because it's not a translation, it's an interpretation. So what happens is the interpreter who may be the same person who's been given the message, or it may be somebody else in that moment, will speak out the interpretation of that message in tongues so that it's understood in the natural language of everybody else. What's the end result of all of that? There is a message from God that gets to the people, that edifies, comforts, and encourages them in a way that they understand. So I hope tonight this is helping you to see the difference between tongues as a prayer language, us to God, that comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the spiritual utterance gift of tongues, and mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is a message from God through us to other people that's then interpreted by somebody with a gift of the interpretation of tongues. So just to wrap that part up, what's the similarities between the two? Both of them require you to speak a language that you won't understand. Both of them require you to speak in faith. That's the similarities. What's the difference between the two? When it comes to the prayer language, you are the one who benefits. It builds you up. It edifies you. The Holy Spirit speaks on your behalf. Whereas the utterance gift, other people benefit. In the prayer language, you are talking to God. In the utterance gift of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, God is speaking through you to others. When it comes to the prayer language, we're encouraged to do this all the time, to build ourselves up, to pray in the Spirit. When it comes to the utterance gift, it's only when the Holy Spirit gives that gift to somebody and asks and enables them to do it in that moment. When it comes to our prayer language. There's no interpretation that's needed because it's us singing or praying to God and he understands it. There's no interpretation needed by God or for God in that moment. But when it comes to the utterance gift, 
It needs interpreting so that others gain the benefit through understanding what has been said by God. I hope that that helps you to understand tonight what is prophecy, what is the gift of tongues, and what is the gift of the interpretation of tongues. If you still have questions, if you still have concerns or guilt or anything like that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to email haven't at family.church and ask me whatever question you may have and I will take the time to respond to it because it's so important that we understand this wonderful gift that God has given to us and, and this wonderful prayer language that we have. And so here's how I want to end tonight. I know we've gone slightly over time, but here's how I want to quickly wrap up this evening. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for a fresh in feeling of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to take long on this because the Holy Spirit created the whole universe in seven days. So he can do something powerful in your life tonight in just these brief moments. And if you're somebody who's never prayed in tongues, I want to pray for you. And just simply you can just say, Holy Spirit, I'm ready to receive. And I want you to maybe have a first time in feeling of the Holy Spirit or maybe to have a, a refreshing, a, a new infilling of the Holy Spirit this evening as I pray for you as we wrap up tonight's teaching. So you ready to just get ready to receive this evening. Holy Spirit, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are watching this tonight or maybe catching up with this a little bit later on. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to those people who need to be ministered to this evening. Lord, for those who need a fresh experience of your Holy Spirit, fresh experience of your love, of your joy, of your peace, Father, I thank you that they will receive it in abundance. And Holy Spirit, I just pray for those who have never received you, not in terms of salvation, but in terms of a power that you come with, a, a baptism of your Holy Spirit. I pray that they would receive that right now. And that Holy Spirit, you would give them the ability to have this heavenly prayer language that will make such a difference to their life. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you also give the gift tonight of prophecy, the gift of tongues, as we've explained it tonight, the gift of the interpretation of tongues, so that your words can flow through us to other people. Help us to use these gifts in love, not to build ourselves up, but to build the body of Christ up, to be all that you want it to be. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Hey, I hope that that's inspired you, encouraged you, and taught you tonight. And I pray that you have a great week, and we'll be back here to look at the power gifts next Sunday evening. God bless you all.